if you are told to forgive, right, and to not hold on to offense, and that's what the Bible teaches you, and you've heard it, and you've understood it, and you choose to be in unforgiveness and hold on to offense, are you in disobedience? Well, the answer is clearly yes, right? You are. And I think a lot of times we fail to recognize that because we still have some of the fear that says punishment and curse comes upon you for disobeying God. When that's in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, remember we said Jesus took all the punishment for our sin, including our disobedience, right? So God is not looking to punish or to curse anyone who's in disobedience. However, there is a blessing, there is protection, there's provision, and our destiny on the other side of obeying God. Are you with me? So therefore, when we disobey God, we are missing out on blessing. We're missing out on things that God has for us, you know, even part of our destiny. Are you with me? Right? If you're holding on to unforgiveness, you are missing out on the freedom that it is to let go of unforgiveness and the healing that it brings to your heart. Are you with me? We are the ones that are missing out when we're in disobedience. When God tells you to give and you don't give, you're missing out on the harvest. You're missing out on the blessing that is on the other side of that. See, God wants to provide for you everything that you need, all your needs, right? All your needs. But guess what? He wants to go above and beyond your needs, right? Because if I have only what I need, then I can live a very comfortable, selfish life. Because I have nothing to help anybody else, right? Oh, God provides for me exactly everything I need, just what I need, just enough to eat. God is so good. Let me tell you, he's so much better than that. He wants to give to you more than enough so that you can be a blessing to others, right? Like Abraham. Abraham, God told him that in him all the nations of the world would be blessed. He wants to bless us to be a blessing. Are you with me? Okay, so we are missing out when we disobey God. We need to understand God is never out to take from us, but he's there to give to us, right? And when we learn how to obey out of trust, right? We said trust makes obedience easier. And obedience puts us in a place. And if we're looking for a safe place, obedience puts us in the only safe place that there is. Are you with me? There's safety in obedience. Okay, so... With all that said, we said, obviously, we have reasons why we don't obey God always. So what are those reasons, and how can we remove some of those stumbling blocks? And one of the uh, things we're going to talk about today is, is how to remove this one, how to recognize it so that we're not being manipulated by it, okay? Um, so I want to start with, uh, we're going to read in First uh, Samuel 15, uh, verse 7, and we're going to continue on from there to the end of the chapter. We're going to make several stops along the way, and I'm going to ask you to be the one paying attention to Saul. And let's see if you can figure out where was Saul's hearts and motives that made him disobey God. Okay? And so you're going to discover that as we read this. But then Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says that, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I want to clarify something 
before we, we move on, because this is, this is key to understand, okay? Um, the uh, Passion Translation says it a little different, says, um, obedient submission to God. Obedient submission to God. In other words, laying, laying our, our life for God. Do you have the Passion Translation for that, if you can switch real quick on that verse? I don't want to misquote. Okay, maybe not. So it talks about obedience, and I was like, it's interesting to me that it links obedience and trust with wisdom, okay? Uh, no? Still no? Okay. Obedience and trust with wisdom. It's like, if I trust God, then I will obey Him, right? And that is wisdom. That is wisdom. There it is, see. When we live in obedient devotion to God, when we live in obedient devotion to God, right? That's wisdom. That means that lack of wisdom is to disobey God. It's not wise to not listen to God, right? Are you following? Okay. So that's wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord. And we're not talking about being scared of God. We're talking the fear, which is the acknowledgement that God is really big and really powerful. How many of you saw the movie of Narnia? Chronicles of Narnia? Okay. Okay. And and there's, there's this, you know, a few of these takes where the little tiny girl is with the huge lion and his head is like this big, right? It's like this huge lion that is full of power that with one, you know, with one smacking of his hand could destroy somebody, right? Like in a second, like he has so much power, yet he's the safest place to be in because he's invited them to a relationship, a close one, right? So put yourself in the place of that little girl, right? If you were that person and you didn't know that that line was good, you'd be scared of him because there's so much power. And that's the place where so many people live with God. He's so powerful. He created everything. I better stay away because he's angry. But he's not. But what happens when you know that instead he's inviting you to a close relationship, father-son, right? And now you're that little boy or girl that hides, you know, inside, like in that lion and his huge head is just right over you, right? Do you understand the concept that perfect love casts out fear when you're in that place? What have you to fear when the lion is right here and he's for you, not against you? So the fear of the Lord is to know he is incredibly powerful, okay? Obviously, a lion doesn't do justice to God, but it gives us a pretty good idea, right? Because I think we would all be in trembling if that lion just showed up in the room right now, right? So that's the fear. It's the respect. It's the acknowledgement of how great and how powerful and how amazing he is, yet he invites us in, okay? So that's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, okay? That's wisdom. Wisdom is when we live in obedient devotion to God, when we trust and obey God. Okay, so let's go back to Samuel 15, 1 Samuel 15, and we're going to start reading here. Okay. In verse 7. Okay, so uh, actually... I got to preface this too. <laughs> Let me tell you why. What's happening here is that Samuel 
is the one who anointed Saul. Okay, for those of you who don't know, Saul was the first king of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin. Ah, okay, he was tall and handsome. Hey, hold on. That's what the Bible says, okay? <laughs> That's what the Bible says, you know. And, and God chose him, right, to be the first king of Israel. And Samuel's the one who anointed him. So he had a close relationship with Samuel. Samuel was a prophet, a, a form of spiritual father, right? He picked him. He, he spoke into his life. He anointed him to be king. He saw him, you know, do all these things for the Lord. Saul had an amazing transformation in his life. And, and then it comes to this point, and, and Samuel told Saul, you know, that um, God wanted him to go destroy the Amalekites, okay? The Amalekites came from Esau, okay? And, um, and, and to make the story short, the Amalekites would not be there if the Israelites had obeyed God in Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Judges when he told them to drive out of the promised land all the inhabitants from the land that they were to possess, okay? And this is important. Why? Because Saul now has to deal with this, okay? The Amalekites were, were bad, were mean, were evil towards the children of Israel, okay, when they had come out of Egypt. So when they came out of Egypt, you know, God's like, okay, you know, we are going to take care of them later, okay? So this is later. And they wouldn't be there had they obeyed. Now, I want to remind you that God, when God brought the children of Israel into the promised land, he told them, drive out all the inhabitants of the land, because if you don't, it will be irritant to your eyes and a thorn to your flesh. What does that mean? That means they were, they were going to cause them trouble. They were always going to deviate them from the Lord, okay? And what happened? The children of Israel came into the promised land, and did they drive all the inhabitants out? No, they did not. I'm going to change microphones because this thing is super loud. Okay, so they didn't drive them out. Now, I want to make this comparison because we always teach about this, and I want, I want to bring you through with it, okay? The promised land to us represents the new life in Jesus, okay? It represents, you know, after we've been saved, we come to the promised land. It's our new life with Jesus, okay? When we are saved from Egypt, from the world, and we come into the promised land, God wants us to do the same thing and drive out all the inhabitants of the land and deal with them, deal with the issues of our heart, deal with the wounds of the past, deal with the mentalities that don't align to his word so that they don't become thorns to our flesh and irritants to our eyes. In other words, so that they don't always become the thing that we stumble upon, so that they always become the thing that robs from us. Are you with me? This could be anything. This could be addictions. This could be uh, fear. This could be wounds, unforgiveness, bitterness, uh, you name it. Are you with me? So when they didn't drive those out, then we have chapter 15 here, and now Saul has to go and, and do this because they're still in the land, okay? And this is how the Lord is now uh, doing justice for what the Amalekites had done before. But they wouldn't even be there in the first place if they had obeyed what the Lord told them in the first place. Are you with me? Okay. So here, uh, you know, Saul is giving clear instruction 
to wipe them out completely. All the Amalekites, not one Amalekite city, but all the Amalekites, all their cattle, everything, do not leave anything, okay? Let me tell you something. When you leave stuff out from what you give to God, later you will have to deal with it again. It will continue to show up in your life. What you don't deal with will continue to show up again and again and again, like a thorn in the flesh or ear in the eye. You with me? Okay, verse 7 says, Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, to the east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. How many of you see a problem already? He said to destroy everything, right? And they thought, okay, well, just how about we are wise in our own opinion? That's exactly what Proverbs 3, 7 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean in your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own opinion, right? Okay, but so that's exactly what they did here. Right? They're like, Okay, let's keep the king because who knows. And, uh, and all the sheep, like that's really good sheep. Those are some good sheep right there. Keep those. Keep those sheep. You know, they're nice and fat. We can't waste that, right? So right there what happened. Let me tell you what's happening. They're acting in the same way that Adam and Eve chose to do in the garden. What did Adam and Eve chose to do in the garden? They decided to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In other words, they decided we are going to tell for ourselves what is good and what is evil. We are going to decide for ourselves what's good and what's evil. We don't, you know, like that's exactly what happened when they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They said, God, he was the one saying what's good and evil. Now we're going to eat from that tree. We're going to know we are going to tell, and we're going to decide for ourselves. Okay? So that's exactly what Saul was doing. He was operating under that same thing. He's like, okay, God told me to do this, but I'm going to decide right now. I'm making a king call that we're not going to kill the king, and we are not going to kill these nice, good-looking calves and lambs. So verse 10 says, And the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instruction Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord that night all that night okay so you can see obviously the Samuel had big hopes in Saul right he probably pastored him coached him spoke into his life right and now he feels grieved because of the word of the Lord right why did God say that because Sam because Saul disobeyed okay it says he, he did um, what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. What does God call evil in the eyes of the Lord? Disobedience. Verse 12, early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. So Saul was so proud of what he had done. He's like, let's build me a statue. Right now, let's just go build me a statue. Look how amazing. I did everything that God told me to, 
And probably I even improved it, right? In his mind, he's probably thinking, it turned out better than he thought. So let's build me a statue, right? Verse 13, when Samuel reached him, Saul said, blessings, brother. <laughs> That's what I see. I'm like, shalom. Hey, come party with us. You know, oh, they didn't know what was coming. I said, it says, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Now, after a victory, it was customary to give a sacrificial offering to the Lord. And that was good, okay? But what happened here is these guys were about to offer sacrifices that didn't cost them. They're about to offer sacrifices from sheep that they captured, not from their own. So you see the thinking right now? It's like, hey, you know, let's just use these to do the sacrifice. That way, our cattle won't be diminished. We won't have to take from our bank account to do an offering. We'll just take from what we weren't supposed to take in the first place, and we'll just call it even. Do you see the attitude? Do you see the heart? Okay. And... <clears throat> Verse, what, verse 14? 15, Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. Oh, the soldiers. So now we're blame shifting here, Saul. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle. They did it to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Sad, right? Like, it's not the Lord his God. It's the Lord Samuel's God. You know, King David, it was the Lord his God, right? It was his God says, Lord, your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. We literally destroyed everything else. <laughs> we literally destroyed everything, just except these ones, little sheep and cattle. Don't even tell them about the king. Shh, right? <clears throat> Verse 16. <laughs> Samuel's like, stop. Samuel said to Saul, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. And mind you that he only took one city. He didn't wipe them all out. Just one city, okay, of the Amalekites. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pronounce on the plunder? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? What is, what is he calling evil in the eyes of the Lord? Disobedience. He's calling it evil in the eyes of the Lord. Disobedience says, but I, <laughs> Saul says, but I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites, now you're lying, and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. Isn't, man, it's like there's all kinds of things going on here. Victim, blame shifting, they did it, we had a good reason. He was dexifying. You know what dexifying is? Some of my young adults know what dexifying is. He was defending, excusing, and justifying himself. It's in one word. <laughs> right? He was kicking and screaming. He's like, no, but I did do it. No, but I did do it. Right? 
You know what, um, you, just real quick, you know, if we jump over to King David's life, right? He, he, like, he did probably what we would think even worse than this, right? King David, what did he do? I mean, he murdered someone and then committed adultery, right? But you know what the difference was? King David didn't dexify. King David turned around in grief and repented with his whole heart, right, to the Lord his God. And he found mercy and he found grace in the eyes of God. So much that he was called a man's after God's own heart. How crazy. Do you see how important the heart is in this matter, right? And then here we come. Verse 22, pay attention. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Ooh. Say ooh. Right? And it says, To obey is better than sacrifice. Say with me, To obey is better than sacrifice. Okay. And then it says, And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion, like Saul's rebellion, is like the sin of divination and arrogance, which Saul, in his arrogance, he decided he had a better plan than God. You understand that? That's what God's calling arrogance here. That he's like, okay, yeah, God said that, but I'm going to do something different because I think it's better. That's arrogance. Anytime we put ourselves over God's word or what he said, like, that's arrogance, right? Yeah, God said that, but, ooh, are you, okay? And it says, to obey is better than sacrifice, to heat is better than fat of rhyme. said, rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Now, obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, I didn't understand that for a long time. And then when I became a parent, I got a better idea of what that means. Like, when you come down in the morning and the kitchen is a mess and it looks like there was an explosion, right? And then your kid brings you breakfast. Look, I brought you breakfast, right? Like, oh, great. Um, and their room, which you told them two days ago, is still a mess. You understand, I prefer obedience than sacrifice. Oh, but that is so cute. You're so mean. Right? I can tell you many times where my parents appreciated more me being at home on time when I was driving than bringing them back food. But look what I brought you. And that's what Saul was doing. He's like, well, I know I, you know, sure, but look, I got the king, and I saved all this cattle, and now we're doing sacrifices. God's like, you don't understand the big picture. I've been trying to drive these things out of the land ever since I gave them the promised land. And I was counting on you to do what I told you, and now you messed it up again. And guess what? Because of this, King David... suffered and had to deal with this again because it was the Amalekites that came and took Ziklag and took the city and plundered them and took their wives and everything. 
So when we don't deal with the things that God has put in front of us, the things that are in our heart, the ones coming after are going to have to deal with them. When we don't deal with the things in our heart, our kids are going to have to deal with them. And he passed that on, right? Because he thought in his own opinion, right? It's better that I do it this way. I have a better way. That's arrogance. That's idolatry, right? That's putting something before God. And so, listen, I love sacrifice. I love sacrifice of worship. I love sacrifice of giving. I love sacrifice. God loves sacrifice. Yes, he does. But if obedience isn't the first, then sacrifice isn't acceptable. If obedience isn't first, then sacrifice is not acceptable. Because obedience is the standard. If my kids don't do what I ask them to do, then the sacrifice doesn't have a lot of meaning. You know what I mean? Like if my kid goes, hey, I mowed the lawn instead of skimming the pool. But I told him to skim the pool, right? And then I tell him, thank you, but I pay somebody that is coming today to do the lawn. And I still need somebody to do the pool. See, understand, the arrogance that took over Saul is the arrogance that takes over us when we think we know better than God. Oh, there must be a reason. He's missing something. But as a parent and as a father, he sees a bigger picture, right? You see a bigger picture. Heavenly Father sees a bigger picture. And that's why it requires trust to obey. Because when we obey, we're definitely put in a safer place, right? Saul's destiny was stopped, destroyed, ended because of his disobedience. So the Lord says, I prefer obedience than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. Um, There's safety and obedience. We said trust makes obedience easy. God prefers obedience first, sacrifice after. See, sacrifice is actually more meaningful after obedience. You want to hear another one? Tithing. Tithing is just obedience. You know, the problem is a lot of times people preach tithing like, like there's a curse if you don't. And again, I repeat, since I started saying last week, God's not cursing and punishing people. He just has something amazing for you. When you take a step of faith with action and blind trust to him, there's a reward for that because he's a rewarder of those who seek him. So tithing, you know, he doesn't want you to do it because you have to. He wants you to do it because you trust him, right? And tithing isn't sacrifice. I know what some people feels like it, but I got to tell you the truth. Tithing is not sacrifice. Tithing is obedience. Tithing is trust. Tithing is the standard. The law was instituted and said, you should not kill, you should not steal, you should not commit adultery, don't sleep with other people's wives. 
and many other things, right? That was the standard. That's no sacrifice. That's the standard. That's like basic stuff, right? And then Jesus comes, and he does away with the law. What does that mean, right? And he says, I give you a new command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, right? And love your enemy. I mean, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love your neighbor. Like, it's, it's the new one. Now, now, he actually raised the bar. You know, it's, it's not the standard anymore. It's not just that. It's like, love your neighbor, right, as yourself. Does it also tell us to love our enemies? Does it? Well, then that sounds more like sacrifice now, right? That sounds like going above, like, okay, God, I'm not killing anybody. He's like, dude, that's, like, super outdated, you know. Read the New Testament. We're loving our neighbor and blessing our enemies now. It's a higher standard. So obedience and then sacrifice comes. King David said, I will not offer God anything that doesn't cost me, right? They, they did all, like, they followed everything that God told them to do, you know, when King David was, was king and, and the sacrifices and everything. But you know what happened when they built the temple? It said everybody brought out of their own treasure, out of their own heart, out of their, like, it was above and beyond. You know, you, you can choose to give however you want. But that's why, you know, to some of us, it helps us to remember, tithe is just kindergarten. 10%, that's, that's kindergarten, you guys. You're like, man, I picked a good Sunday to come back. That's kindergarten. What you give above 10%. Like, look, Jesus was impressed with who? With the widow. Why? Because she gave it all. He was like, whoa, whoa, this woman. Like, okay. Like, that impressed him. That was sacrifice. I'm not telling you to do that. I would never tell you to do that. I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm too concerned for your own well-being, you know. But I will tell you what the Bible says because what he says is better than what I say, you know. To me, it's harder to see somebody give sacrificially. Therefore, it's really hard to ask. But, but God's not worried about that. He's like, you can't outgive me. You cannot outgive me. Why is it getting so hot in here? Or is it just up here? <laughs> right? So if obedience isn't first, sacrifice isn't acceptable. Right? You know, I somebody, and I use the giving because it's, it's an easy one to relate to. Okay? Um, somebody once came and told me, look, look, I'm tithing 5% now. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I was like, that is great, you know. Why? Because I, I want to celebrate that before he, he didn't give anything, right? Like, that's good. Like, that's really good. But if you think that that's, like, even standard, you're off because the word tithe actually means 10%, so you're not even tithing, you're fiving, you know, or, or something like that, you know. You're giving, you're giving a, a tip. You're giving a, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong, please don't get me wrong, okay, don't get me wrong, but the problem, the, the, no, the, not the problem, the thing is that we are going off of God's word, not my word, we're going off of what he said, not what I said, right, and I'm telling you something that I lived 
you know, most of my life, since I was probably 13 years old, right? And, and you just want that for everyone, right? So I, you know, when I talk about that person, I celebrate that they're giving 5% because for them, that was a stretch of their faith, and that is great. You know, I would say, keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. Keep going. Because it's an exercise of trust in the Lord, right? And that's where, that's where it all lies in. It's that who are we talking about here? Who are we, we're talking about God Almighty, right? We're talking about the God who honors his word and who makes sure that his word comes to pass. Like we're not talking about, you know, something that somebody made up that maybe sometimes works for some people. No, no, no. We're talking about the word of God. So therefore we can bank on it, right? We can know that if we put our trust in it and we put action to it, we know that it is true and that it's going to produce fruit in our lives. There is no doubt about that. Are you with me? Okay. Well, at least Carlos still is. Thank you. And verse 24 says, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people. And so I gave in to them. Now I beg you to forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Okay. Remember I told you, you're going to be the one to tell, to be able to tell where was Saul's heart. You were going to be the one that was going to be able to tell what was the motivation of his heart by the words that he was speaking. See, what he says here says, okay, 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 I give up. I sin, violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people. Why did he not obey God? What hindered his obedience? Can we put that up, please? What hindered his obedience? Fear? Fear of what? Fear of man. So, Today, I said we're going to talk about one of the challenges, one of the things that block us because we all want to obey God. But one of the things that blocks us from obeying God, right, is the fear of man. The fear of man hinders my obedience to God and jeopardizes his good plans for me. If you don't write anything else down, write that down today. The fear of man will hinder your obedience. The fear of man hindered his obedience to God's plan and the instructions that he was given, right, and therefore, it jeopardizes the plans that God had for Saul. God did not make a mistake picking Saul. You know, if anybody believes in God is that, that the whole theology about the sovereignty of God, let me tell you what. This throws it off big time because God picked Saul to be king. And Saul chose differently. And then God picked another one. Because God makes plans and he chooses things, right? But we decide whether we cooperate or we don't. We decide if we believe or if we don't. And so, fear of man. Fear of man is the thing that will block you and will hinder you from obeying God. Peer pressure. Anybody's ever experienced peer pressure? I have. My gosh, I can tell you so many times I did things for peer pressure. Dumb things. Disobeyed God for peer pressure. 
At that time, I thought I was just, you know, being brave. Right? Look, I can do it. Okay, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. One tequila, two tequila. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know, you know. What did you do for peer pressure, right? What did you do because of the fear of man? What did you not do because of fear of man? What did you disobey God in because of the fear of man? Listen, this is not about social media at all. This is not about like, okay, I'm going to post everything I've been wanting to post for this long. This is not about that, okay? This is about you, your heart, and what motivates you to obey or disobey God, right? And one of the biggest things is the fear of man. You know, and Saul says, okay, fine, fine, fine. Because he was pressed on every side. He's like, really? <laughs> really? Really? You know, you didn't obey God, you disobeyed. And he said, okay, 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 okay. I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. At any point, we make somebody else bigger than God's voice in our lives. We put an idol before us, and we have lost the fear of the Lord. Because what we said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? It's to live in that obedience, right? In that devotion to him. That is wisdom. To remember what he said is better than anything is wisdom. Lack of wisdom leads me to fear man, right, and to disobey God. That's not wise. That's not wise. I was afraid of the people, so I gave in. Now, I beg you, forgive my sin. Um, you know, here's a, a, another interesting thing. Um, in Jeremiah, it also says, Jeremiah 7.21 says, I, It was not burnt offerings and sacrifice I wanted from them. This is what I told them. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Hmm. Obedience gives us foundation for what's important to God. Obedience sets a standard so we can know what sacrifice is. See, if we don't know what obedience is, we don't know the standard. So we could call anything obedience. We could call anything sacrifice, right? Saul's sacrifice was below the standard. And he had the wrong motive behind it. Motive to please and appease people instead of God. Obedience to God relieves us from the responsibility of the results. See, um, Kara taught a message probably in 2004 that I still remember. She taught about completely abandoning yourself into the Lord. Like, complete abandonment into the Lord. You know, what does that mean? Like, it, it almost looks like a trust fault to me, right? Complete abandonment. And, and sometimes when you have to choose whether to obey God or cave into the fear of man, you can't do that unless you abandon yourself completely before God, right? Saul was probably afraid 
he was going to be rejected. They were going to say he was not going to be a good king. Maybe he was, maybe he was scared of man that they wouldn't reelect him. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe he was campaigning. He's like, oh, I better give them what they want. Otherwise, you know, they're just going to throw me out, right? But that's those points where you have to abandon yourself and the Lord and be like, Sadrach, Meshach, Abednego, God is able to save us from your hand, O king. But if he doesn't, abandon yourself in the Lord completely, right? Like Paul, like, okay, you know what? <laughs> to live is Christ, to die is gain. So here we go. It's a trust fall, right? Is this helping you today? You're like, it's messing me up. You know, it's just so many times, it's so easy to give in to the fear of man, right? And to do things before, because of the fear of man. So can we start identifying, right? Why, why am I doing this? I know the right thing to do. Why am I doing this? Who am I afraid of? Am I afraid they're going to reject me? Am I afraid what they're going to say about me? Am I afraid they're going to call me a, you know, holy, holy person, you know, churchy guy, you know, oh, Mr. Perfect. Like, am I, am I afraid what they're going to say about me? Like, what is, what is the fear that is hindering our obedience? Because this is the fear that hindered Saul's obedience to do exactly what the Lord told him to do, right? And it definitely jeopardized his destiny. And then he says, Now I beg of you, forgive my sin, and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king of Israel. And check this out. He was probably on his knees, pathetically begging. And why do I say that? Because it wasn't true repentance. Let me show you. It says, as Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught a hold of his hem of his robe, and it tore. The guy was throwing a fit. The guy was throwing a fit, right? He was still afraid of man. He was still acting in the fear of man because Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to, the, to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Saul replied, I have sinned, but, again, Please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Who was he afraid of again? Who was he afraid of still? People. People. He, had he learned anything? No, he had learned nothing, right? He's like, come on, make me look good. At least come back with me. Everybody heard you yelling at me in here already. What are they going to think about me? Come back with me so that they see that we're okay and that we're fine and that, you know, I don't want anybody to know that I don't, they don't, that God has rejected me. And, you know, that's, that's what's going on. He says, so Samuel went back with Saul. Why did he give in, right? Probably because he loved the guy. I mean, he had a relationship with him. He wept all night when he heard what he had done. You know, he had a heart for him. And says, so Samuel went back with Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, oh, boy. He was not expecting this, but see. Saul was probably like, okay, fine, at least I look good, right? Is my hair okay? Is my hair okay? You know? He's like, at least I look good now, right? He's with me. And then you read the rest, right? 
But Samuel's like, oh, bring me that king. <laughs> Let's finish this up, right? And I'm pretty sure that's not how Saul saw it going down, right? Oh, this is an intense story. This is very, very intense. But I love just what it teaches is here. God's like, okay, let's take a step by step. First, obedience. I love that you want to cook me breakfast. But can we start by making your bed? Right? I, 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 am, I, I love your heart. You know, I have great plans for you. But can you trust me with this thing? Right? Can you trust me with these things that you don't understand? Or will you rise up in arrogance and think you know better? Will you cave in because of the fear of man? I believe all of us here and everyone that's watching online, and I believe we have a desire to obey God. But we struggle between the invisible God and the fear of the visible man. We get to choose. You have to remember blessing, protection, and our destiny is on the other side of obedience. Pastor, I thought this was a grace church. I thought this was a grace church. There's no grace here. You think grace? You don't understand grace. If that's what you think, you don't understand grace. Because by grace, you have everything at your fingertips. Everything just by believing and receiving. You don't have to die on the cross. You don't have to bear the cross or the punishment or the curse. You don't have to because Jesus did. But he's called us to be co-heirs with him. He's called us to co-labor with him. He wants to do things through us because he's given us power, dominion, and authority, right, to take back the earth for Jesus, right, to bring heaven on earth, to preach the gospel, to be salt and light, to drive out darkness. So I want to encourage you today. I want to finish with this. Went a little long today, but um, have that in mind. You have a desire to obey the Lord. You know what's the right thing to do. And you also know what's the wrong thing to do. Isn't that awesome? Like, we know that because the Spirit of God lives inside of us. You know what the right thing to do, and you also know that that's wrong. You don't even need to look that up on the Bible. Like, you know that that's wrong. So don't wait to just obey God and the things that he puts before you. But make sure you're not in disobedience by holding on to unforgiveness, by holding on to, you know, resentment and bitterness, by, you know, chewing people out, you know, by just the basic things. When you hear the word, now you have a responsibility to put it into action and to do something about it. And if you don't, you find yourself, I heard it, I'm ignoring it. And that's not wisdom. Wisdom Right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So therefore, when we forget God, right, when we leave him out of the picture, that's not wise. When we don't trust and obey him, but instead we fear man and disobey God, that's not wise. And that's not good for us. Amen? So I hope this helped you today. And if you don't remember anything at all, remember this. If obedience isn't the first, sacrifice isn't acceptable. Let's put that one, other, the other one up here, right? The fear of man. The fear of man. Or in Spanish, yeah. Fear of man hinders my obedience to God and jeopardizes his good plans for me. 
I don't want to jeopardize his good plans for me. I want to cooperate with his good plans for me. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Ben Diaz. I want to thank you for watching our YouTube video. And I want to encourage you to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can receive notifications of the weekly videos that are uploaded. Also, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to leave them in the videos. And if you would like to follow us on any other social media platform or go to our website, please see the description below where you can also find our mobile app. Thanks so much and God bless you.